Restaurant Unstoppable, episode three, zero, three. You kind of have to speed up to slow down. If you want to slow down, you need to speed up and grow, get those systems in place, uh, maybe open a few more locations or a few more revenue streams, you know, think creatively, but get yourself to that space where you've got a little bit more of a support network around you. You know, it, it was it Henry Ford who says, just surround yourself with experts. I mean, that's, I love doing that. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Hiring a consultant to train your staff and to improve your restaurant can be expensive. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just get advice from world champion baristas and leading restaurant consultants without spending thousands of dollars? Tipsy believes you should have the chance to learn new skills whenever you need to, which is why they have hundreds of hospitality courses available for only $9 a month. To give you a little something extra, as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you can also get 50% off your first month. All you gotta do is Click the tipsy banner in the show notes. Get on it. Are you opening a restaurant and stressing out with where to start? Or perhaps you've already opened your restaurant and you're finding yourself completely overwhelmed with the day-to-day task that only you know how to do. If you feel this way, I've got good news. You don't have to do it alone, nor should you regain control of your business and your life with restaurantowner.com. And if you go to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable, you will get a 10-day pass for only $1. Get on it. Pumped. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Shyla Morris. Shyla, you got to tell me, are you feeling unstoppable today? You know it. <laughs> yes. Always feeling unstoppable. That is Love what it. we like to hear. And I'm really excited because I think you're the first time I've had a second generation on the show uh your your mom was on the show twice first time as a guest normally and the second time to discuss her book from rags to restaurants which was awesome and now we have you i can't wait to hear how this all progressed but let's just give the listeners a quick aerial view of who you are uh, in 2004 when Shiloh morris was only 18 years old uh was when her parents misty and gary young purchased the original squeeze in located in Truckee, california during the next 13 years Shyla went from earning a little extra cash while in college, being a host and server at her parents' restaurant, to becoming the president and CEO of seven squeezing locations with franchise opportunities on the table. I can't wait to hear what the last 13 years of your life have looked like. Uh, but that's just an aerial view of who you are, what you're all about. I can't wait to learn more about you. Let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra first. What do you got for us? Oh, gosh. Well, I got to tell you, I'm a huge personal growth and development fan, have been a student for a long, long time. So uh, probably my hardest part of preparing for this interview was trying to boil it down to one. Um, But I think what I'll go with is a classic that's always been with me, and it's from Jim Rohn, and it's, don't wish it were easier, wish you were better. And um, I think that full quote even says, don't wish for less problems, wish for more skills, and then don't wish for less challenges, wish for more wisdom, Mm -hmm. I think is how the whole thing goes. But don't wish it were easier, wish you were better is something that really sticks with me. I love it. And that, that ties into a quote that I wanted to share that I, I picked up from you, which is, you know, anything worth doing 
is going to be a really tough journey was the gist of what I got from you watching the different videos of you speaking. And uh, that totally ties into it. It's going to be hard. Uh, And don't want it to be easier. Just show up every day, do the work and make yourself better. And things will Mm -hmm. happen in time if you show up and you just put the nose to the grind. So awesome way to get this thing started. Um, I gave the listeners just a brief introduction of who you are, but why don't you tell us a little bit more about you uh, and your current business? Sure. So, um, you know, Shyla Morris here and uh, our family owns the restaurants called the Squeeze Inn. Squeeze Inn is a breakfast lunch restaurant open from 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. And uh, the original location has been in Truckee, California since 1974. So we're coming up on 40 plus years of business there. Our family bought it as a single location and uh, then grew it from there. And if you've heard, you know, my mom's interviews, you probably know a fair amount of that. Uh, but uh, yeah, turned 18. My parents bought the restaurant. You know, they did what any rational uh, person would do and cash in their savings and retirement, quit their careers, called in every family favor they could, and uh, uh, moved to Truckee to the mountains to become restaurant folks. So uh, lucky for them, it worked out. uh, And lucky for me too. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, 2004 rolls around and they're um, getting to know their new business, their new restaurant, and I'm going to college and uh, start working there on the weekends just to put myself through college. And pretty quickly, realized that I loved the family business, I loved the restaurant industry, and that uh, this is where I wanted to take my future. So uh, continued to go to college and got my education, but just decided to take classes that I loved and enjoyed, which ended up being a dual major in sociology and psychology, mm. which I know, side note, has actually been really helpful in this industry. Absolutely. <laughs> That's really helpful. Awesome. So <laughs> let me ask, when did you know, and I love this part of the interview, It's I don't know why, but when did you know that working in this industry, in hospitality, owning a restaurant, wasn't going to just be a summer gig while you're home from college, but your career? Like, when did you start to really realize this and dive into that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the first one was me being an 18 year old. And I was like, dang, the cheddar is so good. (laughs) Like the money was so good um, that I'm like, this is amazing. And I knew it was my parents restaurant. So I would have an opportunity to advance. So you know, um, I definitely recognize that I've had uh, amazing opportunities given to me, not that I haven't worked my little uh, behind off afterwards from that, but getting to start with that opportunity has been an incredible blessing. Um, So I think it started as that, but there was definitely a few aha moments along the way. And I think one of them was really that I fell in love with leadership development. And that turns out to be something that I can do in this industry, in this setting, um, not only, you know, on a monthly basis, but on a weekly and on a daily, you know, whether it's a service, a server or a host or a cook um, or a manager that I can help develop leaders. And that's uh, not something, I mean, every industry needs that. So I'm lucky enough that I get to, to bring my skill and passion to my family's business and do that there. And my mom's, you know, bless her heart. She's a visionary. She's an entrepreneur, less on the leadership side. Uh, you know, the, the things that take patience mm. or um, maybe, you know, holding back a little bit. And so that was a need that I could step up and, and, and fill and help our family and help our business at the same time. So there were definitely some moments there where I got to do that and be uh, so incredibly rewarded because I was pouring into people and seeing them develop for their own selves. Awesome. So really bring us to a specific moment, though, Shyla, a time where you're you just committed, where you said to yourself and to other people out loud, this is what I'm doing. I love what I'm doing. And I'm this is this is it for me. Do you know? Can you think of that time when that happened? 
Yeah, I can. Um, you know, I think like most people, there are moments that stack on each other. Yeah. But one of those those very first ones for me, uh, my parents asked, uh, my husband, Chad, and I, could you guys come on and be business partners with us to open a second location in Reno, Nevada, which is my hometown. And we agreed um, and went through that whole process. But, you know, owner mentality takes some time. Uh, but it was the night before we were opening. And, you know, we're there and it's 930 at night and we're still unpacking things out of boxes. And, boy, we've maxed out every credit card and there's no money left on the table. And, you know, we were just like uh, almost in despair. But we got the restaurant set up. We go to bed. We get up four hours later and come and work. And those first few guests are coming in and they're just full of love and wonder and excitement and appreciation and joy. And it was like, all right, I guess it's not that bad. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and we got to work that whole day and we donated all of our proceeds to the SBCA because it was, you know, our opening day and just the love and the feeling and understanding kind of really realizing that we could have family and business be in the same and, and be happy and do it together. One of those very first uh, stackable memory moments for me was was that opening of our second location. I love it. That's great. And I really want to... Uh kind of paints a picture because I've read your mother's book, Misty Young's book, which I'll have links in the show notes, uh, Rags to Restaurants. Um, and she really paints a picture of it wasn't all, you know, amazing from the get go. I mean, she tells the story of her life and she tells the story of opening the restaurant. But you had a sideline or sorry, a sideline uh, view of how that whole the evolution of the restaurant being a mess from what it sounds like uh, from listening to the story to what you've made it today into something that's turnkey that's has all of its systems, processes, procedures, culture, everything's there. So from your perspective, um, what were some of the key things that you witnessed um, over the evolution of the squeeze in that you think were most uh, just crucial that you can share with the folks listening in today that they can replicate in their lives and in their businesses? Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) A multiple. That's okay. I gotcha. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I mean, it's, it's so many things, but ultimately um, I really think it comes down to doing your homework Mm -hmm. and doesn't mean just go learn from everybody everywhere or read everything, uh, but figure out who's in your industry that's doing it right and look at what they're doing. Um, look at who's not in your industry, but in business that's doing it right and look at what they're doing. And, you know, you really got to follow that Michael Gerber from the E-Myth, you know, work on your business, not in it. And so in the beginning, there's a fair amount where you have to work in it and on it. You're all of the positions. That's how most businesses go. Um, but as it grows, not stagnating and staying there, really starting to work on the business. And, and so for us, a big part of that was systems. And, you know, everybody carries the banner of systems, um, systems in one hand culture in the other but systems are so important when we bought the squeeze in they didn't take credit cards um there was no schedule posted in the back it was just everyone kind of knew when they were working and uh so we really had to start with from the bottom up uh building and instituting systems um you know recipes and you know not necessarily scripts but just kind of guidelines and how to behave and and a lot of it along the way we were feeling our own personal resistance, like, oh, we're getting corporate. Um, But at the same time, that's how you scale. And that's how you can replicate. And that's how you can provide consistency. Uh, One of our most favorite mentors, uh, John Maxwell says consistency compounds. And so if you can consistently work towards a system, um, and, and work towards an experience and all of those things that are important for every restaurant, it's just going to build on itself each and every day. The small business 
administration here in Reno, Nevada, looked at the deal that we were looking at in Truckee at, with location number one and said, run, do not walk from this deal. It is a bad business. It is going under. Run, run, run. Um, and that's where we kind of had that, you know, it's our dream. It's our passion. We're going to make it work. And we knew we had very little time to turn it around. So implementing systems, um, making sure that guest service and experience and, and quality food, of course, those things uh, were in place. And then just building from there and never resting on our laurels or patting ourselves on the back, but just build, build, build. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I know you know the importance of systems. I know I know the importance of systems. Um, and you mentioned a few reasons why systems are so important. It allows you to scale. Um, it, it, it enables you to work on your business, not, or sorry, in, sorry, yeah, on your business, not in your business. Um, but really dive into what systems do for your sanity, what, what they do for just dive into the, the impact that they can have on your success. Yeah, absolutely. You know, systems aren't sexy. And when you go into business and you're like, oh, I just have always dreamed of this little eatery. It's a cafe. And, you know, all my friends are going to come in droves and I'm going to, you know, uh, take my money to the bank in wheelbarrows. And uh, then you get into it. And whether it's a tire shop or a florist or an accounting agency or a restaurant business is business. And it means budgets and it means cash forecasts and it means vendor relationships and it means glorified babysitting, a.k.a. dealing with employees. And it means schedules and inventory and like a thousand million different things. And what generally happens for most uh, operators is that they don't ever come out of being an operator into an owner. They always stay an operator, which is just sucky because the whole reason you probably got into business was, oh, you had this beautiful dream and you wanted to be your own boss. You wanted more freedom. And that's what systems give. Mm -hmm. They give you the freedom. And even though it's more work on the front end, it's like, how can I have time to build a system? I'm already working 16 hours a day. It's like, well, do you want to keep working 16 hours a day? Or do you want to do a couple 18-hour days so that then you can have all 10-hour days from there forward after that? And I think that's where people lose it is that they can't, they're losing the forest for the trees. They're just seeing what they got day to day. And they go, I can't, I can't develop a hiring system that's so much. I'm just going to, when I need someone, I interview the one person and fine, you're good and throw a body in. And, and that's not a good winning system for anybody. No, absolutely not. The way I like to think about it is systems allow you to do the thing that you got into the industry for the first place. Like it, it frees up your time. So whatever it is that drew you to this industry, now you can focus on doing that thing. Cause you're not being drawn away from all the other things you didn't consider because you're so blinded by the dream. Um, mm -hmm. And that's alone is enough reason. If, if you got into this industry, whether, whether it be cooking, whether it be uh, just creating an experience or uh, if your thing's branding, whatever it is you love to do now you can do it full time because you've automated the rest or you've, or you've developed somebody to replace you, you and you gave them the tools, the resources to do it. Um, mm -hmm. But for dive into like, the situation if somebody's saying to themselves like, i don't have any systems i don't know where to start and you kind of got into the into it when you're saying yeah well you can either do 16 hours of work and go to 18 hours of work do the two extra hours but where do you start for that person who doesn't know where to start and, and they're in that situation where they know they need to do it what's the advice you have for where to start Mm -hmm. I mean, first, I would say pull everything out of your head and get it written down. It's so important. Um, I know for me, I'm just such a writer downer. Why is I've always so got important? my journal. 
Because then you, you're not looping. I mean, do you do this? I loop continuously. <laughs> and if you're trying to go to bed and you're like, oh, yeah, don't forget that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got to do that. I got to follow up. Yeah, I'll loop it and then I get bad sleep and then I forget some of the things. So just uh, pulling it all out of your head and writing mm-hmm. it down is so helpful. And once you see it all just like brain dumped onto onto a document, you can kind of start chunking. Okay, well, all these things have to do with marketing and all these things have to do with operations. And you can start chunking away. And who can I delegate to? I've got this mm. server who's underutilized, who's raising their hands saying, I want to help. I want to do stuff. Um, you know, start utilizing the team that you have around you to help you with those deliverables and those actionables. So I would say start with pulling everything out of your head and then start with what you know, because mm-hmm. um, that'll build you some confidence, right? You know, if, if you're all... Yeah. Yep. Right, little wins. That's right. Um, if you're the one that always does the schedule and you're really comfortable with that, that's awesome. And teach someone else and then have them do it and then have them watch and then you watch them and then slowly hand that baton over. Yep. Um, you know, so you can go keep working on your business and, and leveling up. Nobody gets to level up to the leader does. And if you're not going to level up, nobody gets to grow under you. And now you're cheating them out of an experience and yourself out of the dream that you thought you wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people get into business and they're like these control freaks and they want to do it all. And it's like, well, you can't, that's not congruent with also being a billionaire. So you got to decide which one you want. Um, so yeah, I think awesome. that's important. I love it. There was a ton of great advice in there. And I would add one more thing when building that list. Uh, absolutely. Do the things that you know how to do. You'll build your confidence. You'll feel like you're building up momentum. You're accomplishing things. You're getting those little wins that build us up on the inside. But also look at the, the things that you created on your list and say, and prioritize them. Like what will have the most impact right now? Mm-hmm. If I get this project done, what will get me the most time back? If I can automate this one thing, because then you can start putting more time towards tackling the other projects. Mm-hmm. Um, get those big, nasty, ugly frogs, what they call it, 21. I think it's called eat that frog. And the idea is, eat the big nasty thing first because you're going to get it out of the mm-hmm. way with and it's going to free up more time for you to focus on those little things. Uh, that's the only thing I would have added to that, but amazing advice. Uh, great way to be getting this interview going. Uh, and you also mentioned the word journal and I cut you off and I'm uh, so sorry, but it's totally worth going down that role or that, that, that lane of why journaling is so important. So what do you do with your journal? Mm-hmm. Uh, my, well, my journal is a place for reflections, a place for dreams, and, you know, uh, a place for notes and a place for to-do lists. And, um, you know, it's just, it's the thing I swear that keeps me organized and, and, and keeps me on track and going. And I can flip back to my, my list and see everything crossed off except the one thing that's circled. And, and now I know I've got to, you know, move that to my next list. Um, but it's, you know, when you're the leader, you are the ultimate end all be all. And if, and if things fail, it's your fault. It, it, no matter, it's not the economy, it's not your your employees, it's not your location. It's your fault if you fail. Um, you know, I think really every failure is is at its core mm-hmm. a leadership failure. Because um, if you're resourceful enough, if you're playful enough, if you're creative enough, you can find the answer um, and figure something out. Uh, so the journal for me is just is my way. And it actually took me kind of a longer time than I would have liked to get to that point. And then about three years ago, I started using one. and I was just like, Oh, my gosh, um, this is amazing. Like all my thoughts in one spot, and I'm not looping anymore at night. And, um, you know, it's not, you know, anytime I go into a meeting, okay, I need a pad of paper, you know, like I always have my one place that I keep everything in. Um, it's just it's smart. And it keeps me accountable 
Because that's one of the harder parts, too, of being a business owner, I think, is that nobody holds you accountable. Nobody's going to come to you on Monday morning and say, hey, you didn't develop that hiring system or oh, another week without inventory. That's really going to hurt. You know, you're only hurting yourself. But then again, you're only hurting yourself, right? Yeah. And just having that that time for that inner dialogue, that self-reflection of what, mm-hmm. what did we do today? Did I accomplish what I said I was going to accomplish in yesterday's journal mm-hmm. entry? And, am I moving in the right direction and just taking that time to really just reflect, uh, and to know where you are that, that, uh, what's the idea that just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just awareness, just having mm-hmm. that awareness of your situation is so powerful. And thank you for getting into that. Uh, I, uh, just a quick, Here, look, I'll show you. Oh, I love this, it. It's called, or the front of my cover, this for 2017 is it's a good day to have a good day. I like that journal. I love it. And I just, you know, keep other notes in there and stuff too, but it's just to-do lists and all kinds of stuff. And then on my back cover, I always do this, set some goals for the year. So on my back cover this year, I have 2017 reading goal, 35 books. Nice. I already started keeping track of there. I've got my 2017 workout goal is 208 workouts this year. So I'm at 21. And then 2017 down here, it says the year I mastered numbers. So that's my big focus for this year is, is uh, diving into the thing that I'm not as strong as I'd like to be. Um, and really, you know, grabbing a hold of that because numbers are the business of language and I are, are the language of business and I want to speak that language. I'm dancing right now. If you guys, we have video going and, Sh- and Shyla can see me like dancing, like moving back and forth because she's dropping gold on us right now. And another thing that we need to talk about is how has goal setting served you and what's, what's, why do you do that? Can you think of just the, a few reasons how goal setting has served you? Oh my gosh, of course. I mean, if you don't set a goal, what are you doing? Where are you going? Uh, Like, you know, uh, I think Tony Robbins says change is automatic. Growth is not, you know, so you're you're moving. You're always going to be moving in a certain direction. But if you don't point yourself in a certain direction, you're walking in a circle. Uh, So you might as well pick a mark and shoot for it. Um, and it helps you keep track of where you're going and what you're doing. And you can look back and say, look how far we've come, you know, cause the secret to happiness is progress. So yep. if you at least set a goal, you know, that you're working towards something. Um, and I think it gives us a little bit of fire when we set a goal, you know, you, you set a goal and you achieve it. That feels freaking good. I know if, if you're listening to this podcast, you're an achiever like me, welcome to the club. And it feels really good to get that a on your paper or the thumbs up or the great review or, you know, the highlight in the local paper or whatever it is for you but achieving feels good so the more goals you set the more you get to achieve and the better you feel and then you start stacking those wins uh, for bigger and bigger goals yeah i mean it's a it's a chemical thing happening in your body when you achieve something it releases i I don't know the technical name for these chemicals that it releases but it's a real thing that's happening inside your Mm -hmm. body but you got to give yourself the opportunity to reach those goals. And if you write them down in your journal every day, like you do, or at least once a year and you give yourself like deadlines and you, you give your ch- yourself an opportunity to just release those chemicals in your body. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Uh, awesome. And the other reason why I was dancing like a maniac over here when you were talking was because you mentioned the importance of numbers. So why are numbers so important? And I love that you recognize it's not your strength and you're, and you're focusing on improving in that area. But why, why is it so important to keep track of those numbers? Uh, you know, to, to say it again, numbers are the language of business and you need to be able to speak that language. If your thought is, well, I'll just increase revenue and make more money. 
then then you're very short-sighted on what numbers mean for you. And also, you know, and I'm guilty of this. I'm number one guilty of this is saying, I don't understand numbers. I don't like numbers. I don't want anything to do with that. So I'm just going to make so much money and so much revenue that it won't matter and I won't have to care. Well, that's pretty stupid. Mm. You want to be you want to be a good steward of the financial, uh, you know, blessings and investments and securities that come your way. Mm -hmm. And if you're not, you know, whether you're believing in spirit or God or universe or whatever, you're not going to be getting more of that if you uh, don't do right with what you already have and and with what you're already getting. So, I mean, for me, I think um, it's been a slow evolution towards this numbers mastery. Um, But the more I learn, the more excited I am and the more I understand it and grasp it and understanding that that uh, you can make the goal isn't to get big the goal is to get rich mm. so don't so look at though you your numbers are your measure right and if you're setting goals uh then your numbers are what can help keep you on track and help you look at it. and if you you know get good and comfortable with numbers you can start looking at numbers and know what story is going on in your business mm. whether it's uh, a cost of goods uh situation or a labor situation or maybe your rent is too high or whatever but you can tell the story from that and know that there's other tweaks besides increasing revenue that will make you more money um you don't always have to only dial that dial to make yourself more money Absolutely. I love it. And I'll be honest. Um, I mean, I, I haven't had the chance to open my restaurant yet. I hope to someday, but with the podcast, like any other business, I will admit that if I didn't have the analytics of seeing how many downloads I'm getting a day, a month, a year, um, I would have probably quit two years ago, but just seeing that I show up every day and every month, the numbers just go up a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. It, it, it's like those little wins, like we talked about earlier, and you can track those little wins in the progress, whether they're you're closing the gaps or you know getting bigger margins or whatever it is. Those little wins every day just drive you forward, and you need to know your numbers. I mean, is what it comes down you to. You do, and what, absolutely, they're your optics. Yeah, absolutely. And you were saying earlier that you're learning right now, that you're educating yourself right now on the numbers. So, where have you gone? Where are you going to learn more about how to leverage these these numbers? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, I think quick story uh, that's relevant here is, um, you know, every business follows a life cycle, right? So you're an infant, you're born, and then you're an infant and a toddler, and you know, you come up to your prime, and then you, you know, if you don't pay attention, you can age and die. Uh, in our business, when we got to teenager zone, typical of teenagers, we thought we were better than we were. We thought we were farther along than we were. And we tried to build all this infrastructure ahead of time. And, um, and we almost, we almost sunk our own ship. And not because we weren't bringing in good revenue. We just didn't understand our cash flow and our numbers. And we had, we were growing and we were getting great reviews and serving hundreds of thousands of people. But we had vendors going 60 days without getting paid. Um, And so by 2013, we uh, had had an in-house person and we went to um, a local group called the CFO group. And they've got a program called Virtual Accounting something or other. VAST is, is the name of it. And basically, it's a flat monthly fee, but they it's like having a CFO and you get your weekly cash forecast and you get your monthly financials and they start to, you know, they give you advice like, oh, here's the story that your numbers are telling us. And then it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's not like we were being negligent, but we we just weren't managing our money very well. And I know people think, well, I know how to manage money and either, there's either money there or there isn't. But there's so much nuance there, right? If you have more inventory on your shelf than is necessary, that's money sitting on your shelf that's not in your bank account that you can't use for pay. Payroll, um, and that's one one tiny tiny example. I think I heard Jim use that example a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, 
on this podcast. So we we got a, we joined the CFO group and 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 started with them and started looking at our financials and and having a person who was smart uh, help advise us. Um, but my next big growth has come from um, went to Business Mastery in Florida. Uh, I guess it was last month, and um, they had a presentation from a gentleman named Keith Cunningham, and he was just freaking amazing, but he has uh, something called the CFO scoreboard, and he gave a four-hour presentation basically on how to read financials and what they mean, and we did worksheets, and we came away from it, and I was just like, I thought I understood them, but I was doing exactly what he would say, you know, okay, most owners get it, and they look at their P&L. You know, they look at revenue. Okay, good. Look at labor. Good. Cost of goods. Good. And then you look at your profit, you know, and you're like, okay, that's good. But when has that profit number ever matched the number that you got in your bank account? You know, never. Um, And that's because profit is more of a theory, whereas cash is a fact. And so kind of understanding what that means and where things go and how they flow. And, you know, you'll love this. You know, he says, here's what a balance sheet is. It's your world atlas. And your P&L and your, and your statement of cash flow are your roadmaps. So, you know, think about those two things in relation to each other. You can use your P&L to figure out how, where you got, how you got to where that, where you are, um, you know, and, and your balance sheet is things and stuff equal what you owe plus what you own. And, you know, and it has to balance and we go through this whole thing and, you know, it sounds so oversimplified, but here we all are, you know, if you've never learned to speak that language and someone is talking to you about, you know, bottom line and top line and you you just don't know that stuff, but you don't want to appear ignorant. So you're like, "Mm, our bottom line is good. Is that net or gross? Mm, Yeah. You know, (laughs) you don't know. (laughs) No idea. Um, But so I'm feeling really empowered with uh, what I learned from him and, and with CFO scoreboard and, and I'm excited to just, as much as I am uncomfortable with numbers, that's why I know this is the year that I have to master them. Can you just drop the name on uh, me again for the, the gentleman who runs the business mastery course? Yeah, his name is Keith Cunningham. Keith Cunningham. I'm going I'm to look yeah. into that. Uh, thank you again. And um, also, uh, we, we got to take, you mentioned his name, Jim Lab of restaurantowner.com. And I know that his resource, a restaurantowner.com, a sponsor of the show. So grateful to have them as sponsors. Uh, but they were a big part early on for your operation and getting uh, the, the systems, the processes. I know your mom really leaned a lot on that resource. So how has that helped you? And is it still helping you today? Mm, so huge. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if the number one thing you need to do is build systems and there's no better support than restaurantowner.com yeah. and you're like, well, how do I do a schedule? Well, what do I do with inventory? Well, yeah. what is prime cost? Uh, well, guess what? It's all there for you. And it's just, you know, I think, you know, mom's famous story is that she went on and literally downloaded every single form <laughs> and printed them all out. And was like, here's what we're doing, gang. And we were like, oh my yeah. gosh. Talk about building a list, right? If you don't know where to start. If you're so naive and so just clueless, a lot of people like your parents, like not to call them naive and clueless when they first got started, but like they were, they were chasing the dream and you get here and you don't know where to start because you don't know what you have to do. What restaurantowner.com will do was show you the list of things you have to do and give you the framework so you can print it all out. Like your mom did now that stack of paper of all those things she printed. Guess what? That's your new list. Um, and it's right. if you're in that position, it's a great resource, which is why I'm so happy to have them as sponsors. And guys, if you're listening to this and you aren't a member and you want to check it out for one dollar, you can get 10 days for free just to go check it out. I mean, it's one dollar. Do yourself a favor and check it out. Mm-hmm. I'll have those links 
in the show notes as well. And uh, I'm curious, uh, are there any other technologies? You mentioned the CFO group, you mentioned the seminar you went to, but what technologies are you using to keep a pulse on your restaurants to, to track all these numbers? What tools are you use? Mm, um, well, you know, I, I want to circle back on something that you just said, and then I'll answer your question. Please. But yeah, it's it's really is about being resourceful. It's not about a lack of resources, especially in this day and age. You have no excuse. If you're failing, again, it's your fault. Um, because you can go to YouTube and you could learn to speak Spanish. You can learn how to code a computer. You can learn how to cook an omelet and everything in between. You have the world's best resource at your fingertips all the time. Um, it's, it's, it's all out there. So it's just a matter of being resourceful and not saying claiming it's a lack of resources. Um, you know, I think the other thing too is uh, that you know, 50 years ago, that wasn't the case. And you'd have to go to the library and do stuff. So it's just, it's so incredible. And then to have resources like restaurant, restaurantowner.com, um, that's crazy cost effective. And, and I know to the behest of everyone listening, I've told Jim, raise your freaking prices. What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, but he's really in it for the value for restaurateurs because he doesn't want to see them in pain. And, and, and I love that about him. Um, so that's an excellent resource. I mean, if all you did was join restaurantowner.com and downloaded every form and followed it step by step step. I mean, I can't imagine you not being successful. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I put a big filter up on who I allow a sponsor the show. And you have to be mentioned a bunch of times in the show because I'm really particular about who I put in front of my audience. And when I reached out to the, to Jim and restaurantowner.com to get them as sponsors of the show. I'm telling you, I was so excited because I could actually have somebody and promote something that I truly believe in. And we don't need mm. to go any further. I think we're pushing. It. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to, but it's, it's a great yeah. resource. Uh, and right. you said something uh, that I think it was worth really putting more emphasis on, which is resourcefulness. And one trick I've picked up through re- reading the books, my guests recommend is the ability of just of, of optimism in knowing that if you ask yourself, if you ever have a, a, a time where you say to yourself, I just can't do it. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's impossible. It's, it's not possible. I am not able. I, I cannot make that happen. If you catch yourself ever saying that, stop. Those are stupid emotions that are just overwhelming and taking control of your head and ask yourself, mm-hmm. how can I do this? Be optimistic. Mm-hmm. Say, how can I do this? And as soon as you mm-hmm. ask yourself how, your frontal lobe kicks in and you get creative. That's what makes us beautiful things. Humans, are we can figure shit out. I just mm-hmm. curse on my own podcast, but whatever. Um, you can figure it out if you just ask yourself how. And it's amazing how the ideas will just start coming to you. So ask yourself how. There's always a way. Get creative. Oh, my gosh. Um, You've got so much popping for me right now. You know, like the 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 quality of your life is determined by the quality of questions you ask. And your brain is literally a servo mechanism. It is designed to answer questions. So don't ask it stupid and disempowering questions. If you ask, why can't I figure this out? Because your brain is, you know, it's designed to tell you an answer. So it's going to come up with something. You're an idiot. You can't do it. Your parents weren't smart. You didn't go to college. You know, whatever the, the, your brain is going to answer that. But if you can reframe, just like you said, and ask a better question, Mm -hmm. you'll get a better answer so i love that you said that thank you awesome uh so much still i want to talk about uh and i I think just you and your journey of being somebody who's 
in 13 years. So it's condensed, super condensed. And I think a lot of people will experience this if they're getting, if they're truly passionate, because you can really excel in this industry if you're passionate and you have what it takes, the, the, you know, the passion, the, the talent, the drive, the desire, you can get places quick. So what was it like for you? Somebody who came in with no, maybe you had some experience before you're 18, no experience, 18 years old, 13 years later, what were some of the key transitional points for you? Um, and how did you handle those transitional points? Mm-hmm. Um, you also asked me about technology earlier, oh, which I didn't circle sorry. back on. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. So I just a didn't good, uh, host of yeah. my own show. I appreciate you moderating <laughs> that. Go real quick. Tell us that. We'll bounce back. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> I think uh, the biggest technological thing that we use is um, a service called Royalty Rewards, which you've probably heard a few people talk about. Uh, this is a loyalty club, an in-house loyalty club. And basically, you know, every time you come in, you scan your egghead card. That's the name of our club. And uh, you get points for every dollar you spend. Every 200 points, you get a gift certificate, stuff on your birthday, newsletters, email lists, that kind of thing. Um, but this is great analytics and tracking for us. We can know, you know, I, you want to know who your top hitters are. And then and send them a really nice gift, Christmas gift. You know, we we are a breakfast and lunch restaurant. Average plate is fourteen bucks, and we've got a family that spent twenty eight thousand dollars with us. Do you think oh. that we are going to send them a Christmas gift? Yeah, yeah <laughs> thank you. We love you. Um, or you know, if someone is complaining all the time and always getting comps, that's going to show up on their on their database. We're going to see that. Or they only come in on their birthday and they try to combine promos. Okay, well maybe we're not going to be as lenient with them as somebody who's in all the time. Um, so I love of having the pulse on our business that way. The other part of that too is that anytime you spend 20 bucks in our restaurant, you're going to get a little email that says, how was your visit? Tell us your comments. Um, and with 272 of those coming in every month, I, that's way better than a secret shopper. You know, I, I have a real picture of what's going on. We've, we've discovered several issues this way. I had four comments in a row over a weekend. Wow. My food was cold and I thought, what the heck is going on? All of a sudden, food is cold. We go into the location on Monday. Well, look at that. One of the lamps in the heat lamp is out, but you couldn't tell because it's like lights are always on. And so you wouldn't notice that. Um, but because we have all this feedback continuously coming in from our guests, we were able to see it, nip it yeah, in the bud and replace that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We've been calling mm-hmm. it numbers this entire time. And really what we should be thinking about is data. Anything that mm-hmm. we can track, any information that can help us see where we were and where we are now and where we're going is worth tracking and worth uh, getting control of. So uh, is there anything else you want to mention on that front of the tools you're leveraging to do that? Or can we move on? To yeah, that? I think we're, I think we're good. I think every restaurateur knows, you know, utilize your POS, yep. who are your best servers? What, what are your hot and cold times? But that's pretty basic stuff. Awesome. Great. So back to that question about you as a professional in the past 13 years, I mean, you, it's like never ending evolution for you. So what were some of the, the, you know, the key evolutional or evolutionary points for you on this journey you've had? Yeah. Um, first of all, it's hard work. It's always going to be hard work. Um, you know, and your problems don't go away that you just upgrade your problems, you get better problems and bigger problems. Um, but they don't go away. So you shouldn't be like one in this utopian future where problems go away. Um, they never do. For me, for my journey, one was uh, learning from who's around us, learning from who's around me. I, I love to just, you know, I said I'm a personal growth and development junkie, totally true. Uh, always going to be investing in seminars and books and podcasts 
podcasts and blogs and uh, continuously learning because if somebody spent 50 years of their life learning how to run a restaurant and they've written a book that's going to take me eight hours, I want to gain every insight Mm -hmm. that I can from what they've learned so that I can apply to my business and not take 50 years to learn it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think really looking for the experts in your industry and learning what you can, finding a mentor, so important. In terms of my personal uh, evolution, started with me being a server, right? I'm the person on the floor and it's me and my husband and my parents too. And we could ensure that every single guest interaction and experience was exactly how we wanted it to be. And then we opened location number two and we could still split enough that it was pretty much us touching every table. And then at location number three is when we realized uh, it can't be us touching every table. And so we had to make, um, we had to serve our associates so that they could turn around and serve the guests. And so we there started to become these layers in between. Um, so that was kind of our first evolutionary was like, it's no longer about taking care of the guests for us. Mm-hmm. It's about taking care of the associates mm-hmm. who take care of the guests. And that was a real hard thing to let go of. Um, you know, there's that whole control thing. That's rough. And, you know, well, of course, you should just serve them nicely. You know, they're your guest. But no one cares more than you do about your restaurant. Nobody. Um, Real so you, that. Yeah. So what does taking care of your associates look like? Give me some examples of what that is. Be specific. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting in 2009, we started offering a health care to our associates because mm-hmm. to us, that's the right thing to do, not because of the ACA or any mandates that came along after that. Um, so that's one of them. Uh, another would be like we're closed two days a year, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And that's nice. On Thanksgiving, we open one location for our associates mm-hmm. and they can come in with their families. And we, the ownership team, cook breakfast for all of them. So they have a great time coming back into the kitchen and, awesome. you know, faster and, you know, table <laughs> four and, uh, you know, bust that table. And they love that. Um we regularly do thank you cards um, and appreciation events. A thing that we've started two years ago was thank you cards to their families, which has been really well received. So, you know, uh, dear Justin's mom, we you clearly have raised such a, a nice guy. He's great. You know, your family is great. And thanks for sharing him with us. I mean, the impact that that has had on people is crazy. You know, or, oh, you know, dear Brian, your wife, Lisa, is so amazing. And thanks for sharing her with us. And, you know, we really appreciate that you support her working for us. I mean, it's, it's those little things like that. We also started um, in 2011, uh, well, I guess it was 2010, um, a leadership retreat twice a year. So we take all of our managers off site, you know, big mansion in Lake Tahoe, three days of just, you know, how do you give feedback and let's understand our P&L and what, how can our menu be tweaked? But, you know, and, and also random $50 bonuses at that retreat and doing fun things Mm -hmm. and snowshoeing and those kinds of things. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of little things. Yeah. And, you know, just to kind of co- go full circle and to kind of reflect back on what you said earlier, I mean, systems are so important. Uh, why are they so important? It, it, it enables you to free up time to do these things that you're talking about, to spend time on to creating new leaders because great leaders mm-hmm. create leaders. And at the end of the day, if you want to grow, you need that foundation of people first and you need the systems, processes, procedures in place to remove you from that. So you can start focusing on creating the next generation of people who are going to lead your restaurant. So it's so important that you, you take the time to set those systems in place. Um, okay. Keep going. What were some of the other evolutional uh, or evolutionary moments you had in this journey in the past? few years? 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, it went from us being able to take care of the guests to now us ha- needing to take care of our associates, uh, which meant, uh, you know, the love and the culture stuff and more of the system stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we did training videos and that was kind of really revolutionary for us. But that was such a huge impact um, because, you know, now uh, an associate can't say, well, I never learned that or you didn't tell me. And then you're like, well, did I or didn't I? I can't remember. It's just, no, you watch the video. You know the story. So where did you host um, those videos? I'm curious. Yeah, I filmed them at the squeeze. Uh, you know, it's just yeah, and and it's one of those things that everyone's like, oh my gosh, the videos are so great, and we're actually ready to refilm them. But uh, yeah, the, the how did you do it? And I said honestly, I found a videographer and booked a date. And then I had to be accountable to it. Um, so sometimes you just have to do that. Uh, you know, I knew we needed videos. I knew this was going to be, you know, a, a thing that was going to help our business a lot, even though I felt like I didn't have the time. Um, so I just booked a day and wrote the scripts and made it happen. Awesome. Um, that's been really helpful for us. Where are you hosting the videos themselves? Like the, where do they live on? Oh, I see. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I think uh, they're on a private YouTube. Okay, cool. Awesome. So guys, all the resources are right there for you to do exactly what Shyla did. So uh, any other key moments in this 13 years that you want to share with us? Totally. Um, you know, one of them for me was a forced thing, but it, it was actually ended up being good as I got pregnant with twins and, uh, went on bed rest. And so we had, my husband and I had been semi kind of fighting that time to step into the organizational management. And we were like, you know, you're still hooked on that tips drug, you know, it's like, ah, oh, but if I don't work the floor, I don't make that 200 bucks. Um, but I got put on bed rest and it kind of forced us to do that. And it was one of the best things that ever happened to us because now we had time open up to work on systems and time to think about systems, you know, just get out of the restaurant a little bit. Um, so that was one. Uh, another thing too, is that, uh, then with locations four and five, we went from not focusing on guests to not, to now we focus on associates to now really focusing on our leadership tribe mm. who focus on the associates who focus on the guests. So now we've got mm. another layer in where really I'm, I'm managing managers at this point mm-hmm. who are managing associates who are managing uh, yeah. guests. You're constantly mm-hmm. duplicating yourself wherever you are, whatever stage of man- management you get to your role then becomes to create more of what you were just previously or who you are now. Uh, so you can mm-hmm. then get to the next level. Um, you're constantly duplicating yourself. I love that you put emphasis on that. Um, yeah. I mean, we talked about a, a lot of great stuff so far. There's one more thing I want to talk about, and that is the whole idea of the work-life balance. Uh, something you put a lot of emphasis in with your, uh, your TED Talks, uh, where you say that it's almost like there isn't a work-life balance because you've found a way to combine your life and your family together and it's all one. And that's something that comes up a lot in the show, making time for one or the other. But you it seems, and also people always say there is no work-life balance. There's just life. And if you do what you love and you do it right, you can get through. So what? how do you really dive into what your beliefs are on that topic? Yeah, I love that. And I love, again, you know, what John Maxwell says, uh, work-life balance is a myth. It's about harmony and finding harmony between those things. And sometimes family has to sacrifice for business and sometimes business has to sacrifice for family. Um, and, and we kind of, through a strange understanding of it, it's hard to quantify in words, but when you're in the business, put the family first. And when you're in the family, put the business first, but kind of in this way, we've got these checks and balances. Um, and it's, it's not a great way to describe it, but it's like the closest that I can find the words that kind of help, uh, bring that together. But really, um, 
you know, it's, I love being in a family business. It's, it's, it, for us, it's the best thing. It is our American dream because we get to combine our economic engine with our, our family life and have both at the same time. I mean, we want to help out the ones we love the most. We want to spend time with the people we love the most. And I mean, yes, there are issues. Yes, we have fights. Uh, you know, there's tense moments and raised eyebrows and heated discussions and Thanksgiving turns into a partner meeting and, you know, those kinds of things. Um, but, you know, like you said, you got you got to have that passion and you kind of kind of have to be a little bit crazy about it. But if you've got a functional family, I think it's great to have them combined I and to have partners. I mean, a lot of people say be careful of partners. But for us, there's five partners, my sister, my husband and my two parents and myself. Um, we're all good at different things. And so it's really nice that I can say leadership development is my jam and I don't like numbers and I don't speak Spanish. So I'm not great at back of the house, but my husband is and can do that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I can take my time learning. And because we have a partnership where we all brunt bear a little bit of that load, um, it makes it so much better for us. You know, that's not, it's hard to make that work on it with a single location or two locations. And like I said, we almost sunk our own ship in 2013. Uh, My parents moved into our living room. We had to cut some people down. Uh, It was really tough um, but we came out of it and now we're way stronger and way better and you know paying our bills on time and making dividends which was like I didn't even know what that was but I love them <laughs> um, yeah so it's just you know it's a, it's a journey and, and a lot of work a lot of effort I think the the big thing I took away from that was just the finding harmony um, there's no real balance it's the finding harmony so mm-hmm. what do you just dive a little bit deeper into how I'm sure there's tons of family businesses people who are in family businesses listening to this right now so for that mm-hmm. person what how do you find harmony in the work life balance or just the the life uh, I mm-hmm. guess, of a restaurant owner. Yeah. Um, well, I think you got to grow your, grow your business to a point where you can have some space. And so some of that is just putting in the time. Um, uh, you kind of have to speed up to slow down. If you want to slow down, you need to speed up and grow, get those systems in place, uh, maybe open a few more locations or a few more revenue streams, you know, think creatively, but get yourself to that space where you've got a little bit more of a support network around you, you know, uh, it was it Henry Ford who says, just surround yourself with experts. I mean, that's, I love doing that. You know, that's what the CFO does. And that's, you know, so that you can focus on your strength zone and what you do, and then you'll love it and you won't be so bogged down with things. Um, so continuously delegating helps a lot. Um, you know, our kids all, you know, we've got three young kids and they all, you know, know squeeze in and they know about the business and we talk about it, but we also, you know, try to be really good about, um, on Sundays, uh, you know, we stay home with our kids and try not to have anything happen in the partner group chat, uh, that's has to do with the partners. It's all about grandkids and, you know, the pictures you took of the flowers or whatever, where you have have that kind of one day that's unless an emergency comes up uh, that you can just all kind of hit a reset button. That's been really helpful for us. Man, you're dropping gold on us, Shyla. <laughs> really, this has been awesome. We got to get a, f- a failure from you real quick. Then we'll dive into the speed round. So when was a time you just fell hard on your ass? And tell us mm. how you got back up. Yeah, I mean, th- that 2013 year was really tough for us. Uh, you know, we thought we had bu- bust through and made it to the dream life. And, oh, well, in winters, you know, we we pull vendors along, but it's not too bad. And uh, that was the year that things just started to culminate and come to a head. And we realized that we were going to crash our own plane if we didn't make some hard choices and tough decisions. And, uh, you know, with a, a six-week-old baby, my parents moved into our house and slept in our living room for three months. And that was, you know, I, I feel like that was kind of a failure because we tried to put things in place 
space and spend money we didn't have. And um, so very humbling experience for that. Another one is we tried dinners for a while. We're a breakfast, lunch restaurant. So we tried dinners uh, six months, a swing and a miss, but we learned a lot. <laughs> you said six um, months? For six months, yep. If you could go back, so, would you have done it a shorter period of time or do you think that's a safe number of six months? Um, knowing that we were going to end it probably would have done it a shorter amount of time, okay. but we got so much good stuff out of it. You know, we, we decided, okay, we're going to do dinners. We're going to do this. Uh, you know, we have a location that's closed more hours of the day than it's open. Let's try and profit from that. Um, and, and, but we don't have burgers and we don't have fries on our menu. So we added those things to our menu and we got fryer in our kitchen. And so that has been a huge benefit as time has gone on. Had we not done dinners, we probably wouldn't have added those things and we would have hit a, a really uphill battle along the way. So like every failure, it's only a failure if you don't learn something from it, right? <laughs> yeah. I think, um, and I think what's smart is that you realized it wasn't working and you tried and then you got mm-hmm. out before it was you got too deep in, into something. So how did you recognize that it's time to give up? Like we tried, but this isn't working. Was it just knowing the numbers? Like how did you know it was time to say, well, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I think n- numbers were the easiest thing. You know, some nights we'd serve 53 guests. Some nights would be like three. Okay. Um, and so there wasn't consistency there to be able to schedule for that. Uh, so I think the numbers and, you know, let's, let's be honest, trust your gut, mm-hmm. you know, your gut knows what's going on or your heart. Um, and sometimes it's hard to get quiet enough and get space enough to hear what those things are saying behind the whole, but people are going to judge me and I'm going to be a failure. And, you know, I, I went out there and said, this is my vision and I failed really bad at it. Um, I think a lot of people probably go a little too long with things cause it's, it's a pride factor. Mm. Um, but being okay with failure, I mean, my goodness, like, Hey, you tried it. Okay. Try something yeah. else. Try something else, you know? Yeah. And you know, one big lesson I've learned, one of my aha moments in doing these interviews is focus on doing a few things really mm-hmm. well. Uh, know where your lane is and stay in your lane. And when you, mm-hmm. and this isn't a criticism on you, but when you start getting outside of where you, you belong, you start diluting whatever it is you're really good at. And you, you, it's easier to do a few things really well than it is to do a bunch of things really well. And you don't mm-hmm. want to dilute that quality. So, uh, Great stuff. This has been an amazing first half of the interview. I don't know why I call them halves because this is almost an hour long, but (laughs) we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back. Whether you're just getting started in the restaurant business or if you're a seasoned veteran, there's always something new to learn that never ends. (laughs) But what hasn't changed is the time you get to learn. Tipsy has taken everything you need to know and put it in one easy-to-access location. With Tipsy, you can learn what you want, when you want, by accessing an incredible library of video courses on topics like food and beverage, service, marketing, and business operations. It's basically a one-stop shop for everything you need to run a successful restaurant. You can also use Tipsy as a staff training tool. Through the management platform, you can select the courses that matter to you and schedule them out to your employees in a few simple clicks. Individual memberships are only $9 a month, and as a restaurant's unstoppable listener, you receive an extra 50% off your first month. So what are you waiting for? For $4.50, you can have access to this incredible resource right now. Just find the Tipsy banner in the show notes. 
After studying over 300 successful restaurant professionals, I've discovered that to be successful in the restaurant industry, you need skills that go far beyond knowing how to cook. All of our guest mentors are damn near experts on business operations, systems, and culture. That is not a coincidence. That is what it takes to be successful. This is exactly why I tell everyone I know who wants to open a restaurant or is in the restaurant business to get a membership to restaurantowner.com. For only $29 a month, you have access to over 300 templates, including business plans, checklists, forms, manuals, and procedures. In addition, you have countless resources at your fingertips. To join a community that has helped over 40,000 restaurant owners make better lives for themselves, head over to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable and because you are restaurants unstoppable listeners you will get the first 10 days for only one dollar again that's restaurantsowner.com slash unstoppable we're back and the first question i have for you is what is your it factors ha- uh, habits traits characteristics things you know contribute to your success Mm-hmm. Uh, being dedicated to self-improvement and self-learning, there's no better investment than you can make in yourself. Mm. What is your biggest weakness? Mm. Um, <sighs> I mean, I would say numbers, but I'm actively working on that. You know, I think that my biggest weakness was just being hard-headed about that and that I, I don't want to know them. I don't like them. It's not my strength zone, you know, and there's enough that you can say to yourself, like, well, stay in your lane and staying, you know, so that's not my lane. Um, but I think those were excuses for me. So that's why I'm really trying to hit that head on, mm-hmm. even though it's, um, it's a little tough. I think another one for my own personal self is just, um, wanting things to move a little faster than they do. Mm -hmm. And I think most entrepreneurs and achievers are probably nodding their heads and relating to that right now. Uh, You know, you've got a vision and, and it seems like a simple execution and then you take it to your team. They're like, but there's all these 2,500 things you have to think about. And you're like, just do it, you know, um, it, it, or like, we're going to, you know, we're going to do a menu reprint and we want it done by the end of the year. And it's October and you, and they're like, that's, you know, and you're like, I don't accept that. And then here you are in February with your menu reprint. Yeah. Um, so I, sometimes I, I get a little impatient. Yeah. I think it's, it's a good habit. I think your, your weaknesses can also be your strengths and vice versa, your, your strengths, your weaknesses and wanting to pull a trigger, I think is a good thing. Cause a lot of times what gets people in trouble is they don't pull the trigger. They're like, Oh, I'll do mm-hmm. it. But, you know, you rush into things. I don't know. I think it's there's some great stuff in there. But um, the next question I have for you is what is one piece of device you have for leaders and somebody who's so big into leadership? Uh, I'm really excited for this question. So best piece of advice for leaders or just leading others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think walk your walk. You know, if you're a, you cannot hold them to an expectation or a standard that you don't hold yourself to. And that's really, really hard because you'll say, well, you know, timeliness is really important for them because they're the ones that open the restaurant, uh, you know, and they don't, I'm the owner. Okay. I'm five minutes late, whatever, but that's not walking your walk, you know? And so I think that's something that's really important and much, much harder to do than it is to say. Um, but really, you know, if you say that you value your associates, it's really easy to do that when you're making money, 
we'll see if you really value them when profits are down and you're dipping into your own bank account. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so don't just willy nilly throw around values or culture unless that really is you and you can back it up in the tough times. Absolutely. It, it, you do not want to make, uh, core values, uh, you know, uh, just the mission, all that, the vision, you, once you make it, you have to live it. So be realistic. If it's not you, then mm-hmm. don't try to do it. Cause you're going to have to show up every day. I love, and do that. So that's some incredible advice. Uh, one question or thing you look for during an interview. What is it? Oh, my favorite interview question to ask is if you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? Okay. Um, it's just a really, it's kind of a left field question. People are not expecting that. Uh, you'll see that moment of just like, uh, fun and it's they have to think about it for a minute but I feel like you kind of get a glimpse into to just who they are for a moment you see them uh you know going through their emotions and and no one can think of an answer that's like what's going to be politically correct you know so they end up saying something that's fun but it's usually um pretty eye-opening so I love that question and I also love the question who's your hero and why and 99% of the time it's their mom or dad but watch the way somebody lights up when they start talking about their parents Mm. uh it's really cool um so those two questions I really like I love it. Uh, what is a current challenge you're dealing with now and how are you dealing with it? Mm-hmm. We're feeling the growing pains of now going from, uh, you know, associate or guests to associates to leaders. Um, to, and then I've got my, my leadership team, but we're franchisors now. Mm-hmm. And this is a whole new, you know, we're big fish in a tiny pond when it comes to being operators. You know, we've got our five company locations, 10 franchises. Uh, we know how to operate restaurants. Uh, but being a franchisor is a new game for me. And uh, so that's definitely a challenge I'm facing is how to best um, manage a franchisee-franchisor relationship, how to serve them while making sure we protect the brand, uh, making sure that all of our um, investments are safe and not just our monetary ones, but our life and our time investments. Um, you know, I think that's you got to get the right people on the bus. And sometimes it's hard not to get uh, wooed yeah. by certain people. You know, <laughs> I mean, we all do right <laughs> i'm so happy you went down uh this lane and i i warned shyla before we started the speed round i'm like i might go deeper on a few topics if we get into something <laughs> good and i was really on the fence about asking you about this whole franchisee thing uh, one thing i've noticed and i'm not saying you this will happen to you but i'm a huge advocate for independent restaurants because of the ability to have your personal brand and i've noticed so often successful people that why they're successful is because their restaurants an extension of who they are and they, what they value and what's important to them. And as you start to grow a lot of businesses, the businesses, they get in trouble because their brand gets diluted because that one person can mm-hmm. only multiply so many times and can, can only influence so many people so many times. How, mm-hmm. how are you going to deal with that? And how do you recognize that as being a potential threat? And what's your plan of action to deal with that? Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the thing that we, I think, initially hated the most about franchising is the thing that we actually end up loving. But, you know, when we hear the word franchise, just probably like anybody else out there, especially in the independent restaurant circuit, you know, we heard it and we thought sell out. You think Subway, you think McDonald's, you think blah. Um, and so that was just not something that we were interested in. And then we really started asking the question, you know, ask better questions, get better answers. What's the right thing for squeezing? What is the right thing? Okay, well, the right thing for squeezing is you got to have an ownership presence. Um, it's got to bring personality in, you know, in our restaurant, you can sign the wall with a Sharpie. It's bright colors. There's like kitschy stuff hanging from every corner of the wall, a thousand different pictures. Every table is different, you know, from grandmas and stuff. Um, so it's, it's, it's very personal. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we're saying, well, what's going to make the squeeze and grow? 
or what's the best thing for the squeeze in? Okay, you need ownership presence. Um, you need somebody who cares. You need fun decor. Uh, you know, okay, well, what avenue is going to give that to us? Our family is only so big and we're a big family, but we're running out of people here. Um, and I think it takes someone in that in and from that community to be that ownership presence. And so that's when we realized, okay, franchising is the avenue that you can do that to that we can offer this same the restaurant that saved our family we can give that to other families who are looking for that uh or looking to bring a business to their community or looking for something to do with their kids or you know that gets them home at night it's not a dinner business you know we get to close it too and be home and all have dinner together i think that helps us a lot with that harmony question from earlier um but if we do franchising the right way, we can do it in that way. And so that's been where we're really adamant about finding the right partners and the right families and, and people to get on our bus with us, not just because they have the money or the pockets. Yeah. You know, that's so important. It's like hiring people when, when you're, it's mm-hmm. no different from when you're hiring your first few people. Do they have the same core values as us? Are they on board with our mission? Are they like us? And at no point should you ever change that rule of just hiring like-minded people, people who are just like you who are in, in, in this for the same reasons that you're in it. And I think that's the one thing we can do is just never really lowering that bar. Like you say, just because they have the money doesn't right. mean that they can share in what this beautiful thing that we created. Awesome. I love it. Beautiful stuff. Um, what is one thing besides food that squeeze in does really well that separates you guys from your competitors? All the things, right? <laughs> um, I would say uh, is is really create memories, and we and our uh, our mission statement is six words, and this is so that everyone can remember it. But it's happy guests, happy associates every day, and that's really something that we strive for. And you know, you notice happy associates is as equal as happy guests. Um, that's part of you know where we realized our core value was, and that everyday part. And so one of our core values from that mission statement is, uh, you know, capturing memories, capture memories and create memories. And so that's not just for the uh, guests, it's for the associates. So, uh, you know, a good guest example for how we help create memories is somebody has their phone out uh, offering to take a picture with their phone for them, you know, because how many selfies can you get? But it's so much different if somebody else takes the picture um, and does that. Or, you know, we heard it's you know, so-and-so's birthday and you bring out a biscuit with a candle on it. I mean, that seems silly, but people love that. Uh, we, when kids come into the restaurant, we have a basket of toys that we bring to the table and people are like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. And, you know, of course you can write on the wall with a Sharpie. That's pretty darn memorable. Yeah. Um, you know, and we've got a crazy menu with things like the Dirty Dick Omelette and the Racy Tracy and the Zweifel. And so, you know, that's memorable too. Um, so we really try to, to stand out and make, make memories for people. I love it. Uh, what is one book that is a must read for anybody who's looking to become a better person or a better restaurant owner? Mm. That's so tough for me because uh, I've read so many great books, but I would say a great overall book uh, that every person should read is the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership by John Maxwell. Awesome. I have not read that, but I need to, it's on my hit list. Uh, biggest lesson <laughs> from that book. Yeah. Um, that, that the lead, the level of the leader decides the level of the organization. So it's called the law of the lid. It's law number one. And really it's about if you're a two, you're not going to hire anybody that's over a two. If you do, they won't stay. Um, and your business will only grow that far. So your business growth is always going to hit that lid until you raise your own lid. Yes. So that's, I'm, I'm yeah. giving you a Skype high five right now. Yes. Boom. Because <laughs> that is another huge aha moment I've had. If you, this podcast focuses so much on you, the restaurant tour, the journey of the person, because 
this before you ever become a great restaurant tour or a great restaurant owner, you, like you just said, you need to become a great person because you're only mm-hmm. as good as people and you're never going to attract people who are better than you or unless you become great. Like you're only going to attract your equal. And if you suck right. and everybody you attract is going to suck and it's not going to work out for you. Uh, beautiful stuff. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is one piece of technology you've adopted in your restaurant that has really influenced your operation in a positive way? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, since I already said royalty rewards, cause that's been a game changer for us, hands down, bar none, hundred percent, a huge game changer for us. Um, I would say besides that we, I I've been really enjoying, we started using no wait recently, which is an, like a text app, right? Yeah, so you're, awesome. and, and if we're, we're called to squeeze in cause it's tiny and you have to squeeze in to join us. So of course our waiting rooms aren't huge and we're here in the Sierras where winter gets crazy. So it's been really nice to be able to text people. They can sit in their cars or go into other shops. Um, so love the no weight system. And then also the CFO scoreboard has been really cool. It's got graphs and you can just look at, well, what if I tweak my cost of goods by 0.05%? Holy smoke, I'd make 10,000 extra dollars this month. Okay, I am really going to work on that. Um, So those are two technological pieces that I'm loving right now. Awesome. And just a a side note about no weight. And one way I love thinking about technology is like never adopt a piece of technology if it dilutes the experience or the, the human relationship, because that really at the end of the day, there's so much that is so valuable in the human experience. And this Mm -hmm. tool, no way is one of those tools that it it increases or it's such a, it's such a service to the people that come into your restaurant because nobody wants to start their, their meal off with a hour wait or an hour and a half wait. And if you can create a means of communicating to, to enhance that human, human connectivity of knowing that you care for them, giving them a, they can go online and see what the wait's going to be. They they know what's happening. Um, that's a service. That's a service that extends mm-hmm. outside of the restaurant, and it's our job to provide services and to make the experience as joyful as possible. And that's one tool mm-hmm. that is a no brainer, in my opinion. If you have constant waits, a uh, great tool. Um, with all the knowledge you have now, if you could go back in time, Shyla, and just give yourself one piece of business advice, what would it be? Yeah, don't. Uh... Don't let the negative reviews bring you down so bad. <laughs> I think, and every, probably every restaurateur can relate to this, but your first bad negative review, you're like, it's over, close up shop, <laughs> we're done. You take it so personal, you Google them to, you know, you know everything about this person's life. Um, and as time goes on, you get a little thicker skin and you kind of understand how Yelp works and it's, it's fine. Um, but boy, they, those first few really beat me up and, and it were, they were hard to get over. So I would tell myself to just, you know, you don't have to please everybody. You're not going to please everybody. And, you know, don't pay so much attention to that. Awesome. And if there is one question I could have asked that would have added more value to our time today, uh, what would that question have been? Hmm. I feel like you did a really good job of asking a lot of really great questions, just really digging at the fact. I mean, I think, you know, people love to get motivated. And so it's fun to get motivated. And, you know, I try not to say, but I always try to say, and, and it's really important to couple that with hard work. I mean, nothing, nothing works until you do. It's, it's massive action. It's step by step. It's day in, it's day out. And you hear that and you can conceptually understand, sure, you know, okay, yeah, four years is how long you went through that issue or whatever, five years, 10 years. Um, But until you're living 365 days in a row or something is really pressing or it's hard, it's, you know, it's easy to want to just throw in the towel. And so understanding that, you know, the cure for everything is massive action. So maybe asking what kind of massive actions have you taken that have helped differentiate it? Beautiful. I love it. And uh, can you think of a massive action you've taken that has helped you 
get ahead? Yeah, I mean, I think doing things like the videos, right? Like that—that that was one of those things that was, in, uh, as Stephen Covey says in the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, it was important but not urgent. So it falls into that quadrant where, eh, if you don't do it, nobody really cares. But it can make such a difference if you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so really focusing on that important quadrant, I think trying to do at least one thing a day there in that quadrant that's not urgent necessarily, but it's important, um, can really you know consistently move you forward. Awesome, beautiful stuff, and. We wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. That's how I got in touch with you. Jim Lab of restaurantowner.com called you out. I'm happy he did. You're awesome. Who do you admire? Who's one independent restaurant operator you admire and think would be a great guest mentor like you were for us today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would have to say Marcus Giuliano. I don't know if you've interviewed him yet. He's called a Chef on a Mission. He's out of Ellenville, New York. I'd be happy to make a digital introduction for you if you'd like. Um, he's got an awesome YouTube channel, Chef on a Mission. He's he's out there to help restaurateurs stop making mistakes. He does a lot of really cool, innovative stuff. Him and his wife, Jamie, are, they own a restaurant called Aroma Time. Um, it's a very destination restaurant, and they're vegan, and they do, uh, but the restaurant isn't vegan. Uh, they have uh, meats and stuff, but it's just really cool what they do. They don't carry Coca-Cola products. They locally source everything. Um, you know, they educate their, their guests that come in, and, and I love them, and I love what Marcus is doing with his YouTube channel and reaching out. So I think he'd be an awesome guest for you. Awesome. Marcus, Juliana, look out. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show <laughs> and uh, let the folks at home know how can we connect if they are interested in maybe coming to work for you, joining your team, or maybe joining your family, your, your uh, franchise family. How can we connect? Absolutely. Yeah. You can find us on squeezein.com uh, where it's just I N not I N N. We're not a hotel. So squeezein.com um, or feel free to email me personally. It's Shyla S H I L A at squeezein.com. I'd love to hear from you. Um, and just, you know, find us on social media. We're huge in marketing and, and i got a big social presence. So you'll find us there too. And uh, I'd love to hear from any of you, whether you're looking for a mentor or want to ask a question or join the franchise team. I'd love to hear from you. This is episode 303, so just head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 303. You'll find the links to everything right there, how to connect a recap of today's discussion, a link to all the tools and services. Shyla recommended all right there. Shyla, thank you so much for coming on the show. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Whoop, whoop. You know it. Thank you, Eric. Takes unstoppable to know unstoppable. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> we'll cut it there. Well, I think we can all agree that that was another awesome episode here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Shyla Morris just dropping bombs of knowledge all over the place uh they just keep getting better and better guys i don't know what's going on but i i love it uh this has been great and if i can just think of uh one thing to reflect on in these closing thoughts it's uh the one word harmony uh in I mean, we talked about so much. Why am I choosing that one word harmony? I, I, I for fun, looked up uh, the definition of harmony. And one of the definitions is agreement or uh, concord, which basically means a harmony between people and groups. So the definition of harmony is agreement between people in groups. So why is that so important? I mean, 
I think that one of the biggest reasons why we get into so much trouble in our restaurants is when people don't communicate well or there's a miscommunication or a disagreement. And why do disagreements come? Because there's a miscommunication or there's a confusion on the right way or the way things should be done. So what the systems, processes, procedures do, uh, they put everything down on a piece of paper um, away, the one way to do things. And this is how we do things. And I don't need to be here to tell you this is how we do things because it's all written down in the operation manual. Like This is how we do things. It creates good communication and agreement among people. It's harmony. So it's such a great way of thinking, why should I do these systems, processes, procedures? Because if you want harmony, agreement among the people in your restaurant, you you need to do all these little things so you can just free yourself. So you don't have to create all these stressful situations for yourself. And when you put all these things down onto paper, when when you create one way to do these things, you don't have to be all these places. You can do what you love, what you're good at. Uh, it just makes tons of sense. I mean, we talked about it in the show. I don't need to dive into it, but just that one word, harmony, agreement among people and groups, that's what systems and processes are. They're in agreement that this is how we do things. Awesome stuff. Um, like always, guys, I've got to remind you, connect with me. Email eric at restaurantunstoppable.com, Facebook slash restaurantunstoppable, and set up those one on one chat just head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash one on one the word one on the word one um and don't forget those five star reviews on itunes those help so much they help validate uh, all this work i'm doing and if you have left a review thank you so much and then before i let you guys go um i want to uh let you know that i'm really considering uh opening back up the mastermind group uh about three months ago Maybe four months ago, uh, we just wrapped up my first ever uh, hosted mastermind. It was a ton of fun. Uh, I met some incredible people, and we all, I think, grew because of it. I know we grew because of it, uh, and uh, took a, a few months off to take care of some other projects. But I'm really looking to get back into hosting those masterminds because I learned so much. Uh, I get to find out where the, the challenges are in your life. Uh, just listening to people talk and share their challenges. And it's a great support system. Uh, so I'm really uh, excited that I'm going to be opening back up the opportunity to host uh, a few mastermind groups. Uh, last time I just did one. I think I'm going to do three mastermind groups, uh, three groups of four. So if this is something you're interested in, guys, shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com and put in the topic mastermind and just let me know you're interested and I'll keep you uh, informed. And uh, hopefully by March, we'll be kicking off those mastermind groups. It's going to be six months long. I'm just asking for a six month commitment and uh, I think you'll, you'll be better off after it. So uh, do get in touch with me if you are interested And guys, thank you so much for sticking around this long until next time. Peace out.